1: Welcome to episode 13 of the Coventry Telegraph podcast, While We Sing Together. I'm delighted to be joined by club historian and statistician and author, uh, Jim Brown. I make it 55 years as a fan, Jim. Um, Thousands of appearances in seven books. Is that about right?
0: That's about right, yes.
1: (laughs) And in your latest book, um, Play Up Sky Blues, Champions 1967, Coventry City's Rise to the Top, published by Pitch. Um, So how did the idea come about? I mean, presumably it's... To coincide with the 50th anniversary,
0: definitely. Uh, 50 years since we uh, last won promotion from any division, and I felt it was time that the the full story was told. Um, plus the fact that it was um, it was one of my early seasons. I had, I was a young fan and was just enthralled by that season, uh, and I thought that supporting Coventry City would carry on in that vein forever (laughs) unfortunately it hasn't
1: you're talking about I mean um, you you, you grew up in Leamington didn't you and um, 15 years of age 14, 15 at that sort of time and you know 67 was the great I mean perhaps not you're a bit too young for the great summer of love and all that sort of stuff but you know the Beatles in the charts the Rolling Stones the Who all that sort of stuff exciting times
0: well that's right it was the the summer of love and we were you know as a 14, 15 year old you know we uh, I had uh, the flower shirts and the, the flared hipsters, and uh, um, you know I've got great memories of that summer or that year, as well as watching you know Coventry City win promotion. It was a uh, you know discovering girls and going to coffee bars in Leamington, and uh, it was it was a great a great year.
1: Yeah. Before we talk in depth about the book, but um, does it frustrate you as an author, and know, if, as a fan, as we all are? You know that you know it's only sort of the periods of success that you have to look at. You have to go back sort of thirty years or fifty years in this case. Mm. Um, you know that, they're the only sort of tangible sort of periods of success that, that we've got anything to hang on to.
0: Um, I, I, in some ways, yes, but, but but in other ways, you know, the old the old message about uh, us avoiding relegation that that was they were great they were great times as well you know the days at, at Tottenham mm. and you know the Everton game in 85 um, there were great memories there as well yeah. and um, um, you know, it wasn't it isn't
1: always about winning things is no, it you know no, it's not but it'd be nice to have a few Yes. <laughs> a few yes. more trophies in the cabinet But. um uh, now, one of the um, the more sort of one of the fascinating stories in in your book um, is about the fallout between Jimmy Hill, who obviously was manager at the time, and record signing Ian Gibson, um, in the dressing room. Now, so, tell us what what happened. Well, um,
0: if you just put it into context, you know, Gibson had, had joined City in the summer. He was the big signing. He was the man who was going to supposedly replace George Hudson as the as the fans' hero, and. Uh, it, it, the City had paid 55000 which was a club record fee, a massive fee for a, a second division club at that time. And, you know, Gibson had turned down for offers from first division clubs to join City because right. he was impressed by JH. Um, and uh, things started quite well. You know, Gibson uh, Gibson was playing well early season. Um, the club worked. The club were very inc- The team were very inconsistent, though. You know, there were high expectations because they just missed out by a point the season before. And um, the early season performances, um, especially at home, were, were poor. They were winning 1-0. I think they won the first two home games 1-0. Then they were held by Birmingham at home. They got a hammering at Plymouth um, uh, um, early season. And by October... Um, there was a bit of unrest in, amongst the fans. You know, We were 10th in the table. Um, we, where's promotion going to come from? And there were a number of players who weren't playing to their, their, their potential. Um, whether it was a hangover from just missing out the previous season, I don't know. But um, Gibson wasn't the only one who wasn't playing badly. In fact, if you read the match reports... Uh, in the games running up to the the Carlisle game where it all sort of took off Um, Gibson was Henderson, Derek Henderson's uh, man of the match on a number of occasions Um, but against Carlisle it went wrong Um, they'd they'd played at Brighton in midweek in a League Cup game and they'd had a long train journey uh, from Brighton to Carlisle for the the game on the Saturday Um, they had a poor first half at Carlisle and uh, uh, Jimmy Hill uh, was fuming at halftime. When you, you know, Bobby Goulds told me the story, Ronnie Farmers told me the story. they vary slightly but basically Jimmy blew a gasket at Gibson and apparently Gibson was uh, you know he was, a, he was a betting man, a horse, a horse racing man. He always had his head in the sport in life. And Jimmy Hill uh, said, you you know, you, to Gibson, you care more about bloody racing than playing for Coventry City. And by some accounts, it got physical in that dressing room. The press, uh, there were press men, the press room were, was quite adjacent at Brunton Park and the, 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 the raised voices, sp- you know, <laughs> were heard by the press. <laughs> and on the Sunday it was all over the press there'd been a massive bust-up and um, uh, Gibson asked for a transfer on the Monday morning um, which the press were told uh, would be considered by the board and um, uh, Gibson wouldn't be playing in the League Cup replay against Brighton on the the Tuesday night and um, uh, as I said City were 10th uh, in the table after that Carlisle game th- th- Things went from bad to worse Because Brighton came to Highfield Road And uh, uh, knocked us out of the League Cup And Brighton were a, a third division side so lower, lowly third division side mm. And easy pickings really for City at home And um, Brighton completely dominated the game There was boo- even booing and slow hand clapping from City fans <laughs> and um, Mick Coop told me he'd he, he made his, his first team debut that night oh, damn. <laughs> and he said he couldn't believe it, the way the fans treated the the, the team. Um, anyway, the, the Gibson fiasco, uh, it ran it ra- it rambled on for several weeks. There was every every other day there was something in the newspaper, rumours that he was going to go... Rumours of uh, managers watching him for the reserves. He played. He played several games for the reserve team, and um, there was strong talk of a, uh, a, a swap deal with Newcastle, who were bottom of the First Division. And um, I think the Newcastle manager offered them offered Jimmy Hill, Alan Suddick, who was a, a midfield player, in part exchange for Gibson, and. Um, I think the deal was quite close but Suddick refused to go right um, things as I say things rambled on for a few weeks and then the results weren't bad actually without Gibson and the city crept up a, 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 they, they had a couple of home wins um, they, they were living without without Gibson um, they brought John Tudor in and there was a bit more punching in attack actually and then um they lost two successive games. They, Crystal Palace took the home unbeaten home record, and there was a lot of depression. In the fans, there a lot of negative uh, letters in the Telegraph, um, which was the main avenue for dissent in those days. You know, before the local radio yeah. uh, phoning sort of.
1: Twitter sphere be uh, red hot, wouldn't it? Oh, these days? <laughs> Jimmy! Hill would, Jimmy,
0: I'm cons- convinced Jimmy Hill would have been sacked in the modern era. Right, he would have been sacked because the team weren't playing well. Their star, the star man and Gibbo in, in just 13 games, he you know he wowed the fans. Mm. The fans loved him. Yeah. You know, he he wore his shirt outside his shorts. He was a midfield maestro. He was a fantastic ball player. He could spray the passes about. And he could score goals as well. You know, he was almost, you know, the complete midfield, attacking midfield player. Um, So, you know, negative letters. You know, Jimmy Hill doesn't know what he's doing. Uh, Promotion looked, especially after the Palace defeat, promotion looked a long, long way off. You know, we we're in mid November, I think we were seventh or eighth in the table. You know, the top three were going away from us. And then the following week they went to Huddersfield. They 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 could they couldn't even fill the sky blue train. I think there were three or four hundred city fans alone mm-hmm. went to Huddersfield. We got we got stuffed at Huddersfield. They were a very physical team. They turned us over and you know more descent. And um they got injuries at Huddersfield. Only Machen got injured, and Jimmy Hill had to bring Gibson back. He had no option. He was running out of midfield players, so we called Gibson for the home game with Cardiff last Saturday in November, and Gibbo just had a blinder. He just ripped Cardiff to to, to shreds.
1: And a big point to prove, I suppose. Oh, massive,
0: yeah, and he and he and he did it in style you know and they they were 3-0 up against Cardiff. they conceded two late goals but it didn't matter Mm. Gibbo was back the fans were happy mind you the attendance was down under 20,000 you Mm. know which for City was a poor gate in those days Mm. and it was the first game in a 25 match run the following Saturday they went to Molyneux to face the league leaders they Uh, had a rearguard action they had three shots and 1-3-1 Gibbo again scored was the maestro Mm. then the following Friday night uh, the new league leaders came to Highfield Road that was Ipswich and Bobby Gould got a hat-trick in the first half Gibbo got the the most fantastic goal in the second half he chipped the ball from the edge of the box over six defenders um, right into the top corner City won 5-0. And all of a sudden, promotion was very much on. Mm, they had mm. a great December. I think they won four, drew two in December. And uh, the first Saturday in January, they went to St Andrews, went went behind at St Andrews uh, in a ter- on a terrible, muddy surface and uh, got a second-half equaliser. Wolves lost that day. City was suddenly were top of the table. Mm. So in six weeks, they'd gone from you know, promotion isn't, is not going to happen to being top, top
1: of the cool, league. Yeah. 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 I mean, and Jimmy was, you know, obviously a real character and, um, uh, you know, and, and fondly remembered, um, you know, for, for what he'd done, uh, what he, he achieved at Coventry. I mean, visionary and all that, we know all that. But, you know, as a, as a manager and later when he came back um, as managing director, I mean, he, he was quite ruthless, wasn't he? I mean, I just did a story today um, about you know, one of your fellow authors, Steve um, Phelps, uh, in his book, and he talks about how Jimmy forced Gary Thompson out in the early 80s, you know. Mm. So he was quite a ruthless character as well, wasn't he, where players were concerned? He, he was ruthless,
0: um, and he knew his greatest attribute, I think, was he knew when to sell a player, you know, if you look at the history, Terry Bly, George Hudson, with the two classics, uh, the fans' favourites, he sold them at the peak of their game. He knew, he had that instinctive mm-hmm. feeling that he got the best out of them and their market value was at their highest and he was proved right on both occasions. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, he... And, 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 and I think who knows if he'd sold Gibbo but I think he played a canny game hmm. he played a canny game he knew he knew he could win the, you, uh, the battle with Gibbo um, and he did an interesting thing um, while Gibbo was out of the team he used his programme piece uh, to, to make a point he, he um, in a very very uh, shrewd way he 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 used to write every every home game in the programme, and he related a, converse, a, 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 a a mythical conversation between him and his daughter. I think she was eight years old at the time, where he <laughs> he, um, he you know his he, his daughter said, "Why are they why are they chanting for a Gibbo?" and uh, and and Jimmy in all his answers in the in the interview, you know. He said, "Well, they love Gibbo, so why are they booing you, Daddy?" I said, "Well, they think that Gibbo should be in the team, and I don't." And it's a real clever, yeah. clever uh, ploy, yeah. and uh, he got his point across yeah. in a non-confrontational way.
1: Yeah. Do you think, you know, if Twitter was around then, do you think he'd, he'd have been on Twitter? Or do you think he'd been sort of like a bit of a Donald Trump? figure in terms of, you know, like tweeting yeah, bits and bobs, you know, because, you know, it was a visionary. So you'd imagine that he would have got on board with that sort of stuff with, you know, with modern technology, move with the times and stuff like that. Do you think he'd have used social media to to his game to his advantage? I don't, I don't
0: know. I, I, I don't
1: think he'd have had the time. He was just an all-action man,
0: you know. He wasn't like the modern manager who only interested in, in the first team and you know keeping their job mm. he, he you know he was responsible for all of the administration at the club you know he was he yeah. he, he, he ran the club as his fiefdom, you know he was involved yeah. in all the ground developments and he was involved you know with the football league, trying to make changes there he was He had this multifaceted role, mm. not like the modern manager i don 't even have time for Twitter. <laughs> <laughs>
1: You, you talk about the um, uh, the travelling fans um, and, and that they were sort of down to two to three hundred or something at, at one stage. But with this Sky Blue Express and all the rest of it, I mean, what at their height, what would have, what what they have what sort of numbers would they have had at the away games? Yeah.
0: Um, I, well, I think uh, early season, I you know, pr- probably uh, Portsmouth and um, I'm trying to think of the away game. Well, probably fifteen hundred, two thousand. Right. But um, as I said by November, that it had dwindled because of the yeah. performances and results. But, um, you know, as the, as the run progressed in 1967, the, the away followings grew and grew. And, you know, there was a massive following at Crystal Palace, which was a night game in South London. You imagine mm, yeah, the yeah. difficulties of that because it was Grand National Day. They played a night game. And uh, I think I think there were seven or eight thousand wow, yeah. to Palace, um, and um, you know there was I can't remember the particular game, but they they put on two trains uh, to several of the of the away games as the season. Cardiff, mm-hmm. where they virtually clinched promotion, there were probably five to six thousand, yeah. um, and uh, so so you know it could quite quickly. You know, and if you go back to sixty four, you know the, the third division championship season. There were twelve thousand went to Peterborough wow. for the final away game. <laughs> you know, uh, you know, the, the potential yeah. was was there. Yeah. I'm just trying
1: to you know compare it to today's figures. You know, because yeah. I mean, today, City in League two are sending sort of you know over a thousand to certain away games. Um, I'm just wondering how it how it sort of compared well, to a, like that. There?
0: I think St Andrews, the day they went top in January, I think there were ten thousand city fans there. Wow! You know, there were big big followings.
1: Yeah. Now there's some great stats that came from that 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 season. Um, not least coming from behind nine times to either win or draw. Yeah. Um, and uh, and then the club record of 25 games unbeaten run. I mean, uh, uh, stats Statsman's dream and all that sort of stuff. Yeah. Uh,
0: well, yeah, the, 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 the side were, they never knew when they were beaten. Mm. You know, what, when, when they started that run, as I said, they had that great December, um, but they went to Rotherham on, uh, they, they, at Christmas they played Rotherham in a double header. they beat Rotherham 4-2 um, at Highfield Road. The following day they went to Millmore, and um, Rotherham gave them a, a, a battering, um, and City were 1-0 down, looked like oh, the, you know, the, the mini-run's going to end. And Dave Clements popped up in the 93rd minute with, with, with the equaliser. Mm. They never gave up. And uh, particularly um, you know, away from home, they, they, they had some, some really tough games and they just ground out the results. Jimmy Hill's favourite tactic, of course, you know, with 20 minutes left if they were losing... Uh, would to just send George Curtis up and to hoof the ball up? He didn't. He didn't worry about people saying this isn't the football we want to watch. And the side had a lot of criticism from other managers in the division. You know, they, right. they were they were tagged as a dirty side. Right. Um, they went to Charlton in March, um, and uh, Charlton obviously attract, that city going to London would attract a lot of the press, the Fleet Street press boys. And City uh, City gave as good as they got, and uh, there was one particular instance where George Curtis tangled with a, a guy called Matt Tees, um, and it, the, the incident happened quite near the touchline. And George went in a fair challenge, but his momentum carried Tease into the uh, into the um, billboards around the pitch. Mm. And the Charlton manager was, remember, the famous Bob Stokoe, right. uh, later of Sunderland, he was incensed by this, absolutely incensed. And the the, the referee uh, wasn't going to wasn't going to do anything until Stokoe started shouting, and suddenly, um, suddenly the referee books George Curtis for a fair challenge. And the you know the the, the the crowd's reaction every time George got near the board he was booed, um, but um, and ep- there's a great story um, told, uh, stolen off Derek Henderson. Um, he was in the the press room after the game, and uh, Stoko and Jimmy were who were bit, quite good mates. I think were in the press room. just. Feet apart holding audience to a different group of press men stoko slacking off dirty <laughs> country and jimmy's saying you know we got a you know a, well, a well-earned victory
1: <laughs> <laughs> oh, fantastic but, uh, so what what sort of style um, did uh, jimmy's um, team play then because you know and you, you know you look through it so um sort of Sky blue tinted glasses, and you think, Oh, perhaps you know, it was expanses of attacking, exciting mm. passing football. But what, what, what was the reality?
0: Um, I think the reality was that they were a, a, a side without uh, okay, they had Gibbo as the, uh, the star man, but they weren't a team of stars, they were a team that worked together. They were a team that, as I've said previously, they never gave up, um, they just ground out the results, mm. especially once they went. That they had, a, they had a, the five goals against Ipswich. They got four against Rotherham on Boxing Day. But once they went top in January, there were no big victories until the Wolves game at the end of the season. It was all one 0 two one, away draws, hard one points, often coming from behind. Um, they ground out the results, mm. you know, and, and um, they had. They had skill in the side. Gibson, obviously, Ronnie Reese on the wing was a you know a remarkable winger, speedy, had a great shot, crossed the ball. Um, but you know, like any good manager, the strength was built on defence. You know, and he had players that he'd had ever since he arrived at the club. You know, George Curtis was a rock. He had Mick Kearns, who'd been you know there for forever. Um, Ronnie Farmer, he'd inherited him as well. You know. He, he, he 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 had the same team for, for, for six seven years virtually, mm-hmm. um, and of course behind them he had, he had the best goalkeeper in the division, Glazier. He paid you know world record fee for a goalkeeper for, for Glazier, uh, and if if anybody had an off day, there was always Bill behind them to you know to, to rescue things. Mm-hmm. Um, the other thing he you know he converted Dietmar Brook that season from. Uh, a combative midfielder to a left back genius mm. genius and he, he, Dietmar took to it like, like like a duck to water and was one of the best full backs mm. in the division but but what you know there weren't real stars mm. other than gibbo really he had this you know he took a gamble with Bobby Gould you know he sold george hudson you know, the previous year, and he relied on Bobby. Well, he got a hell of a lot of stick for that. Well, oh, he but won them over in the end, didn't he, Bobby? Bobby did, yeah. Mm. But you know, he was he he was still subject to violent abuse uh, after the cup game against Newcastle because he missed a sitter from three
1: yards. Mm.
0: He got poisoned pen letters. He got.
1: It's funny because you imagine like, back in the day, you know, that you know when people going to watch football, probably in, in big coats and black caps and and perhaps you know uh, grown men still wearing shirts and ties, even working class men sometimes wearing shirts and ties um, to the football and stuff like that. You imagine that it was um, you know the, a, a lot more polite in those days, but you know it sounds as if they you know the the boo boys were, were, there, and, were there. and forced. Was it worse then than it is now? Then do you think?
0: Um, was no, it there, I don't didn't? think it was worse, but but, uh, but I think it was uh, more concentrated and. Um, Coventry have always had fans who and they'll pick on a player you know whether it's Ernie Machen in those days or Bobby Gould later it was Greg Downs remember the abuse they gave mm. and uh, Delia Ebola De got it um, and you've, you've seen it over the years haven't you and, Wait, um, but that must
1: be the same at every football club sure. yeah oh yeah, yeah.
0: But, but, but I think you know the the, the letter writers to the pink in 1967, are today's internet trolls? If you yeah, know, the they, keyboard and, warriors. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> they were there then, and they're, they're, they're there now.
1: I mean, you, you mentioned in the book, about the one player that received death death threats. I mean, what what happened there?
0: Um, well, it was after, it was Bobby Bobby Goulder after the Newcastle game, and um, he still got the letter. He still got that letter that, that said, "Why don't you go? Why don't you commit suicide?" Um, and he took it to. This is this is after he missed the sitter against Newcastle. and We lost four three. Bobby scored a goal that day and didn't have a bad game, but but the fan, yes, you know, s- some fans uh, were annoyed with him. And and Derek Kenson again told told the story of how uh, Bobby had walked through the lounges. I think it's the vice. It was the vice president's lounge in those days. Half an hour after the end of the game, the Newcastle game with his then girlfriend fiance and got booed in a lounge mm. can you imagine that mm-hmm. um, and I think it had an effect on, on Bobby for a very short space of time because I think he was dropped or rested whatever you want to call it the following week and he came on a substitute uh, a Barry and they won and then he went on this amazing run of goal scoring. Scored, you know about eight or ten games mm-hmm. where he scored virtually every mm-hmm. game.
1: Which is testament to his strength of character, isn't yeah. it? To, to rise yeah. above that and, and prove people wrong. Yeah.
0: And this is a man who scored a hat-trick at, you know, two months earlier <laughs> against Ipswich.
1: <laughs> oh, it's incredible. And let's talk about the, the, the Midlands match of the century, yeah? Highfield Road against Wolves. Yeah. I mean, first of all, how on earth did they get 51,000? Oh, that? God knows. I just don't. I mean, I've seen the pictures of them all around yeah. the edge of the pitch and stuff like that. I mean, it'd never be allowed to happen nowadays, would it? Because no, of safety it issues. But no, and it wasn't all
0: ticket either. You see, that was the other interesting <coughs> thing. It was just you know come come early because we think it's going to be a big crowd. Mm. They had no idea what the ground could hold. Were you there? I was there. Yeah. Yes, I was one of the last ones in on the car. <laughs> uh, they I went to the, the covered end where I normally go, and it, the, the, the gates had been closed. Right. So I managed to to shoot round to the, the cop entrance and just one of the last people in got in there and it was just a nightmare on the terraces and uh, anybody who was you know, a bit frail or young was pushed to the front and and lifted onto the onto the running track uh, and there were literally hundreds of us round the round mm. the edge of the pitch when mm. the game started.
1: So that's where you were, the edge yeah, of the pitch. Yeah, yeah wow. I was on
0: the edge of the pitch. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, I got a great view.
1: And <laughs> <laughs> what was it like that night? Um, it, well,
0: I don't remember much about the first half. Just, just disappointed we were losing, um, and I think because George, George Curtis had a, I think he slipped and let um, Peter Knowles score their goal. But after half time, it's just like it was just like a dream. It was like something out of Roy of the Rovers. you know three goals in twenty minutes, and it's it, it just like, well, it was just like a dream. Just three amazing goals. Gibson scored one of the greatest goals uh, I, I've seen. He set up the, the the other one and and then Ronnie Reese-rounded it off with the third. We invaded the pitch. We ran onto the pitch. say invaded the pitch. didn't invade the pitch. We, when the first goal went in, all the kids just raced onto the pitch, just, you know, in ecstasy. Um, they cleared us off.
1: You'd have been banned, arrested Minutes. and banned
0: these days, wouldn't you? <laughs> Minutes later, it was 2-1, and we raced on the pitch again. And then the referee went to the edge of the pitch and... He was announced on the tannoy. The referees said, "If if anybody encroaches on the pitch again, he will have no uh, no option but to abandon the game." Um, so when Reese's goal, when the third goal went in, we you know, we we just stood like statues. Nobody moved an inch. Because this was
1: decide the title, was it?
0: Yeah, that's right. They we got both, promoted. We were both certain of promotion. Yeah. We clinched it. Um, we we we, won it. we drew at as the previous Saturday, but wasn't quite enough. We needed uh, somebody could just overhaul us so They won all our games and we lost all ours. And black, I think Blackburn and Bolton drew in midweek, and that we were up that night. So the Saturday came, and they were up. We were up. It was it was it. It wasn't to decide the title because Wolves. Could still win it, right? But it, it was it was bragging rights more than anything, and City's record, you know, the unbeaten run. Mm. We didn't want to lose that. I think Wolves were being something like thirteen as well, mm. and they had a they had a really good side. You know, they had mm. they had De- Derek Dugan. They had Ernie Hunt. Ernie Hunt was probably the best player in that division. You know, along with Gibbo that season. They had Mike Bailey, England International. Um, they had um, Wagstaff on the wing. Yeah, they had a t- tremendous side. Mm. Um, so the third goal went in and we just, they, and then with the final whistle, they, we just all ran on the pitch. And, <laughs> uh, you yeah, know, there were people hanging on the floodlight piles. Mm. There, there were people, there, there, some people stood on a, um, uh, one of the old, one of the old, tea bars on the cop, and the roof collapsed. <laughs> Nobody was hurt, and everybody was happy. But the roof collapsed. Um, they were all on the top of. You've probably seen the pictures. The old covered end. They were all along the roof there, you know, just risking mm. life and limb. Mm. And I don't remember seeing any policemen. No, I really don't. Mm. Wolves fans mingled with Coventry fans. Right. I think. There was, I think there only was room to start a fight it was <laughs> it was just it was just you know 51,000 mm-hmm. i think there were more because i think at least one gate got broken that
1: day right. i think there were more yeah it was incredible isn't it yeah. 50 years on and you know the sky blue's not even had a sniff of promotion um and they say club success is you know can be c- cyclical you know and you know and yet we see the team of the, the opposition of that day um mm-hmm. Wolves, you know, on the brink of, of doing it all again, you know and it's, uh, well, can you believe how have city have just yeah, sort of you know, since they dropped out of the top five? It's just been a spiral, hasn't it downward spiral?
0: Well, I think the, the, there is a terrible stat um, about you know in the fifty years since we won promotion, every side in the league has won at least three promotions, I and mean, some teams have been promoted ten or 11 times in yeah. that time. And we've done nothing, yeah. absolutely nothing. Um, and as you say, it, it has been a, a downward spiral. You know, you think, oh, a relegation, we'll regroup and we'll come back stronger every time. We said that when we got mm-hmm. relegated from the Premier League, and uh, you know that was a they made a complete hash of that, didn't they? Mm-hmm. Um, and then we had the, IT, well, the ITV fiasco where the, suddenly the money wasn't there, and we mm-hmm. were. We were bankrupt. Um, yeah, you'd like to think that fifty years on, we stand as good a chance as any in mm. the in the last what, sixteen years since we got relegated from mm. the Premier League of, of getting of getting a promotion. Mm. That would be something, wouldn't it? Mm. And are there
1: similarities, you know, between today's Mark Robbins team today? Uh, and that team of 66 67 in terms of you, you said it was built on solid foundations mm. incredible defence all that sort of mm. stuff I mean City is showing that this season aren't they you know with the mm. 10 clean sheets in the league I think he's 11 in all competitions yeah. isn't It. I mean I, I think yeah I
0: think the the, the, the defence for the first time in years I think defence looks to be pretty good mm. and I think playing these Doyle and Kelly as defensive midfield has made a hell of a difference as well, um, because you know, for how many years have we, have we sat at the Rico and watched away sides rip through our midfield like it like didn't exist? Yeah, and and you know, you do feel that the defence plus those two, it's almost like a seven-man defence, isn't mm. it? Mm. Um, so I think, yeah, that, 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 I think that's a similarity, and of course. Yeah, the early season lack of goals is a very similar to 67 yeah. um, you know where, where's the Bobby Gould going to emerge uh, in 2017 uh, that's what we need isn't maybe it? Jordan so Ponte Kelly maybe yeah <laughs> or Nazan yeah, yeah. yeah. But,
1: uh, so who's, who's impressed you this season um McDonald
0: yeah I think he's he looks a really good player at this level
1: He's been consistent, hasn't he? Yeah, which yeah, it I've liked. Very
0: solid, very and tough. We we haven't had enough tough men. You know, mm. we had Reader Johnson a couple of years ago, and he was to me was the ideal lower division defender. McDonald's, you know, in a similar vein. Mm. I think Lee Burgess played superbly. I think he's he's got to be here to stay. Mm. You know, I, I I couldn't understand why people were. You know, against him last season, I think he's a, a really solid keeper, mm. and he saved us on a, a couple of occasions. Um, uh, Doyle, of course, you know, he, he, players like Doyle, are the players are going to get us promotion from any any league, mm. you know, and that's what was lacking mm. uh, last season and the season mm. before.
1: It's always it's like that—a combination of that sort of that that gritty, tough. You know, unsung hero, sort of doing the dirty job, yeah. really. You know, isn't it? It's yeah. all that, all those sort of horrible bits of the game that, yeah. that need doing. Uh, he sort of looks after that as, yeah. as well as sort of, you know, his influence as a captain. I mean, yeah. you know, it was funny on um, our, on Tuesday night at Stevenage and um, Jordan Shipley, obviously, you knows just broken into the side and um, uh, he, he started at Stevenage and um, the fans were singing his name, you know, early on, and I thought oh, that's a really nice touch. And then seconds later. Doyle was screaming at him, <laughs> brought him right back down to earth because he, he said he needed to be sort of then um, pushing further up and, and closing down, you know, closing yeah. down their, their defenders. So, um, but yeah, he's got that sort of um, he, he sort of rules with a rod of iron almost, doesn't he, on yeah. the pitch, Doyle.
0: Which George Curtis did, yeah. yeah. George was that man, and he was he led by example as well, yeah. which Doyle yeah. does. You know, if those young players in that in that team, you know, the the Chipliers, the Maycocks, the Ponticelli's, the High Ains, they they they'll they'll learn so mm. much from from Doyle, won't they? Yeah,
1: yeah. Let's just go back to the the unbeaten run, the twenty five game unbeaten mm. run. Do you think that will be beaten
0: by City? Mm. I doubt it very much. Mm. Doubt it very much. I think that's just that was that was just incredible they, they, they I can't ever see that being beaten mm. never
1: sadly <laughs> yeah. I mean that's the, the thing about uh, ever since I've been covering the city um, and that's sort of, you know, almost 20 years is just the inconsistency mm. you know I mean there was that spell under Tony Mowbray when we had Adam Armstrong in that first four months of the season that you know there were sort of you know you were going into games thinking mm, you might win today you know rather mm. than you know hope and um, yeah. And be disappointed, but um, you know, and invariably they did. But uh, I think the thing yeah. about this league
0: we're in now is it's probably the most uh, even league we've we've played ever played in. Yeah, um, it's anybody can beat anybody. Mm. Um, the, the the sides, if you look at last season, the sides that went up, they only lost ten games, ten or eleven games. Yeah. So. Um, I, I think, I think if you get two points a game, ninety-two points, you'll go up. Certainly, you'll be in the top three. Mm. And I think uh, if you look now, I think Luton and Knox County are right on target for that. And I think that's what that should be our aspiration. I don't know what Robbins is setting as his targets, but that would be my mm. target: two points a game. Mm. So you, so you win, win at home, you draw away. Mm. That's enough. Mm. And that was the that actually that was what Jimmy Hillside did. Yeah. You know. Do you think they will do it this year? Um, I don't want to be in the playoffs. Mm. I mean, that's a lottery. You've got to be in the top three. Oh, yeah. um, it, it, it won't be easy, but I don't see—I don't see any sides better than City. Um, you know, Loom can score goals for fun, but they, you know, as we prove, they can be dodgy mm. at the back, and um, we've beaten both the top two, haven't we? Mm. Um, we've got to get better against the against the poorer teams
1: particularly at home as well you know they, they've been frustrated haven't they in in, mm. um, in recent home games in particular you know teams sort of setting up you know, the, the old cliche parking the bus and, mm. and City just not been able to break them down and mm. if they can master that yeah, then they might have it cracked I guess yeah
0: Although I didn't think Mansfield did part of the bus. No, no, not, no. Yeah, not necessarily Mansfield. I think about team.
1: Forest Green and, yeah. uh, you know, yeah. and Colchester and teams like yeah. that. But, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, I thought Mansfield were one of the better sides they played this year. Yeah, they were a good team. Yeah. They were a yeah. very good I mean, team. I you know, they've got that sort of nasty streak in them as well, which yeah. I think comes from the manager.
0: <laughs> yeah, well, again, you that's our old, one of our old failings. We do get bullied, don't we? Yeah. We, we And we got bullied that day, I thought. Yeah.
1: Do you think? And where do you stand on Mark McNulty? Um, you know, I see him as a as a really good player. It's just mm. it's just not falling right for him at the minute. I mean, his, his movement, his work rate um, some of the positions he gets into, um, but he's just sort of maybe just sort of slashing at it a little bit more mm. at the at the moment. Whether that's sort of lack of confidence or not, I mean, do you think he'll come good?
0: Um, I don't know really. He's, he he was bullied against Mansfield. He had a, I thought he had a poor he started well but I think he got he got somebody did him and he didn't want to know after that mm. um, but I think he I don't think he's good in this, at this level I, it's interesting the way they're going to use Nazon. I think you know he's obviously um, he, he's dynamite from the bench isn't he mm. um, but whether he's you know he's that man for 90 minutes I'm not sure mm. um, they've got options haven't they Ponticelli mm. you know he's not going to be a a regular starter I don't think but he's going to they're going to give him some games and give him some you know games from the bench and you need and he's shown that he can be the fox in the box hasn't he yeah and that's what you need I think somebody who can you know you said Jimmy Grease 89 minutes he does nothing and then he scores the win that's what you need Mm -hmm. in any
1: in any football team yeah yeah so who are your favourite players over the years then in a um, city
0: shirt well my first hero was, uh, was Ian Gibson uh, he was you know genius um, and uh, you know if you if you could have if you could have just controlled his off field activities a bit he would have been a he'd have been a top international player mm. unquestionable um, Tommy Hutch you know he was a, a genius on the ball I always remember when he came from Blackpool and the first division didn't know what hit them. He just tore he just tore shreds, right backs to shreds. Mm. I think he got booked. I think the 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 opposition fullback got booked six out of the first seven games he played, you know, including players like Mick Mills and Paul Reaney. They just couldn't handle it. So mm. Tommy Hutch. Um I I've I've liked a lot of city players over the years. Um I'm trying to think. Um Sometimes the strangest, the strangest players. Um, I love wholehearted players. Ian Wallace. I loved it. Ian Wallace. I thought he was a great mm. Wallace Ferguson partnership. Yeah, he was great. I thought Terry Yorath was just perfect. There was the captain, you know. And and then again, you know, the the, the the when you have a bit of success, it's the it's the captain that's a, a, so important. And and that season, seventy seven eight. When Terry was captain, we went so close to getting into Europe and played some fabulous football. Mm. Um, so, Yorath was a, was a big favourite. Um, what about the, more modern era? The more modern era, um, um, I liked uh, I liked Carl Baker. I thought he was a very very good player, a bit inconsistent, but he he, he was a good player. I like Frank a great, great skill, mm. uh, and Callum, of course. You know, he was a, he was so hot off the blocks, and it's mm. great to see him, you know, coming back from mm. injury and doing, doing so well. Um, but I like, you know, defenders as well. I like, I, I like Chris Stokes, and I, I'd like to see him get back to the way he was, you know, before his injury. Because mm. I think he's got, he's got great, uh, he's got great talent. Um,
1: What about opposition players, best players you've ever seen play against City over the years?
0: Well, I remember as a a young lad going to see them play Manchester United in the FA Cup in '63, and Bobby Charlton basically won the game for United. Mm -hmm. He was just absolutely outstanding. He scored one of his thunderbolts playing outside left in those days and he scored a thunderbolt. He made, I think he got two goals that day. Um, he was brilliant, and he he always played well at, against City. Um, George Best was great, but he never really he never really took City to the cleaners at Highfield Road. Um, the and Chris Catlin always had a good game against George. Uh, he, George he made his debut against Man United up here and marked George out of the game. Um, so Bobby Chong um, well the Munich boys Franz Beckenbauer was just mm-hmm. you know, I saw him at Eiffel Road and he was Morning just the day, eh? <laughs> oh, different class um, who else um, well the goal scorers you know Alan Shearer always played well against City he did didn't um, he um, Ian, that Rush, goal. Ian Rush maybe yeah, Ian he was a boring player but he he, could he was scoring absolutely yeah,
1: yeah.
0: The, the, the other player I liked Tony Curry was, you know, was a lovely player and Alan Hudson I remember Hudson coming to Highfield Road with Chelsea when he was 18 and he had an absolute brilliant game mm-hmm. Chelsea won 3-0 and Hudson was the man of the match at 18 um
1: mm-hmm. Yeah, there's been a lot of good players. Yeah, yeah. And obviously you, you keep in touch with a, a lot of ex-City players through the former Players mm-hmm. Association, which I uh, know yep. you're an active member of, mm. uh, founder member of, aren't you? Yeah. And, um, and that's um, going great, Guns. And you must be very proud of uh, the fact it's it's one of the biggest and the best in the country, isn't it? Well, we like yeah. to
0: think so, yes. We we do. We put on a lot of functions, we've got a lot of members, uh, and we have this... Uh, unique thing no maybe not unique thing but this this uh, ability to to invite all our former players the club provides with two tickets for all former players for any home game and as a result we get a good attendance from mm-hmm. our former players they 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 come and sit in the lounge and ming, mingle together it's great to see players from the 1960s mingling with players from the more modern era and they all get on you know we see uh, Dave Booth mixing with Ronnie Farmer and Dave Bennett and all the players from different eras just get on so well. And it's a lovely organisation. We have our Legends Day every season. And um, they all come back, they get presented on the pitch. And it's just, just wonderful, yeah. absolutely wonderful. Yeah. Um, yeah. And, you know, I know the the older ones love it as well and you know, many of them had never been yeah. back never been invited back to coventry and okay some of them may not be household names they might have only made a handful of appearances but they're part of our history, yeah. part of our heritage yeah. and we and we like to honour them and yeah. uh, it's great that the club supports us.
1: Lovely. Okay, Jim thanks ever having your time. Uh, just a reminder, Jim's book, Play Up Sky Blues Champions 1967 uh, Coventry's Rise to the Top um, is published by Pitch and available from all good bookstores um, Thanks very much Jim and uh, we'll speak to you soon.
0: Thank you very